Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. your Bibles in Psalm 144 tonight and uh, looking forward to what the Lord has for us this morning or this evening rather amen and uh, looking forward to what God has to show us in his word tonight Psalm 144 and we'll read these verses together I'll invite you to stand if you're physically able as we read the word of the Lord together and uh, we began in this passage of scripture this past uh, Wednesday night and uh, we want to pick up what the Lord uh, did in our hearts that evening tonight here in this text, Psalm 144, verse number 1. The Bible says, and this is a Psalm of David, the text tells us that, and the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war, and my fingers to fight, my goodness, and my fortress, my high tower, and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people unto me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity, his days are as a shadow that passeth by. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurt sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. That our garners may be full affording all manner of store. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together tonight and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, as humble and thankfully, dear God, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be able to be here tonight and to be able to gather with your people, to be able to open the very Word of God and to be able to read it together and hear truth uh, from its pages. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you'd help me tonight as I try to preach the Word of God. Lord, I realize that I don't deserve to be in this place, yet you've called me to stand here as a preacher of the gospel. And Lord, 
Lord, more specifically to have the calling to be the pastor of Beacon Baptist Church. Lord, I pray, dear God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would help me as your preacher and as the pastor of this church to be used in your hand, Lord, to say something, God, that would impart your truth in your way to your people, God, as you would see fit. Father, I pray that you'd forgive me of sin. I pray, God, that you would empty me of self. I pray, God, that you'd, for, uh, Lord God, that you would uh, fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. Help me, God, to not say anything that you wouldn't have to be said. Help me, God, to say only the things, Lord, that you would have to be said. And Heavenly Father, I pray, uh, God, that you, through the Spirit of God, would do a work in each and every heart and life. If there's one lost, save them, uh, Lord, before they leave these grounds tonight. If there's one backslid, I pray, God, that they would find help at your hand and get their heart right with you today. And Father, I pray, dear God, for every child of God that's here today. Lord, you'd speak to them in a special way. Move their heart. Rebuke them if it's necessary. Reprove them if it's necessary. And exhort them, dear Lord, in the areas in their life where they need, a Lord, a heavenly exhortation, Lord, in their heart. Father, I just pray, God, that you would get the glory, that everything that's said and done would extol your name, would give you praise and adoration. And Lord God, I pray that you would help me not to preach a small God tonight, but to preach a God to these people who is big and is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think that really is in control and can do whatsoever is needed in our hearts and lives tonight. Have your will and way, and Lord, we'll thank you, God, for what you do in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen and amen. When we come to Psalm 144, of course, as we have already stated that this is a psalm of David. This was a psalm in David's life that uh, was written when he was facing uh, a battle in his life, when he had enemies uh, that were coming against him. And uh, we see him in this passage of Scripture giving us the words of a psalm uh, that would be put to music, but uh, we understand as we look in uh, these words that it is uh, that it is the day it is David uh, praying a prayer to his God, uh, speaking to the Lord in the words of a prayer. And as David, who was the greatest fighter and warrior that Israel had ever known, uh, is looking toward the battlefield and looking to, toward the enemy and the, the fight that is ahead and the battle that is ahead, we find David not running away from God, uh, but running to the Lord in prayer and seeking the Lord's face. And here as we look at these words, we find some things that is important, some words of instruction, if you will, that is important for all of us to know and to understand when we are, when we are possibly facing the battles that we will encounter in life. It has been said about storms, and yeah, I'd say that it's even true of, of battles, spiritual battles, physical battles, financial battles, emotional battles, whatever the case may be, that it would be true that just as they say about storms that uh, you are either in a storm just coming out of a storm or about to go into one. It's the same way with battles that we uh, face in life. We do, uh, by the way, have some very real enemies uh, that we face. Amen. And while I understand that we uh, as a country have enemies that we uh, must deal with, probably some of the greatest of which are within uh, our own country. And uh, I think that some of us would even say in leadership in our uh, country. Amen. We understand that spirit
spiritually our enemies are greater even than our enemies abroad. Uh, that we have the devil as our enemy. Uh, he doesn't like when someone gets saved. He doesn't like when a child of God that is saved uh, surrenders their life to the Lord and gives God a blank check with their life. The devil doesn't like that. Uh, but we also have two more enemies. We don't only have the enemy of the devil, but we have the enemy of the flesh and of the world. Amen. Uh, the greatest enemy that I have is the one that I meet in the mirror every single morning. And I have to battle my flesh. Amen. And then we have a world that is uh, no friend to the child of God uh, that causes one battle after the next in our life if we determine that we're going to live for the Lord. And so last Wednesday night we began to talk about in this passage what to remember when the battle is on. What to remember when the battle is on. The first thing we talked about is what we find here in verse number one and in verse number two. And I, I don't know how, how much I dealt with verse number two uh, as much, but I do know we dealt uh, primarily Wednesday night in verse number one. And uh, we saw that when the battle is on that we are to remember that God still deserves our praise here as he faces his enemies and as he faces his battles. David begins the psalm not as other psalms do, even uh, the majority of David's other psalms where he begins the psalm with his problem and he's begging God for help in his problem. And then throughout, as I mentioned last week, and throughout the psalm as David begins to uh, pour out his his heart uh, to the Lord about his problem that then he begins to ask God to intervene in his problem. And then it seems as if he begins to think about uh, who God is as he prays for God who has the ability to help to help. And then problems turn into praise oftentimes in the psalm that David as he began the psalms with his focus on his problems, he ends the psalm with focus on praise. That's not the way it is here in this psalm that from the very beginning uh, David's only focus is on giving God praise even as he in the middle part of the psalm begins to make requests the request that he makes is based upon the ability that God has to meet the need and the confidence that uh, David has in God's ability to meet the need and thereby he is praising the ability of God even in the request that he is making. And is that not the way we all ought to pray when we pray, amen, to pray a prayer to God, not believing that he can't and a, having a faithless prayer, but to pray to a God that we know can and we have a God that is able, amen, to do whatever is necessary. David here praises the ability of God even, in he has, even as he asks his request because as he asks his request. The reason why he's doing it is because he knows God is able. In verse number one, the psalm begins with the words, Blessed be the Lord my strength. In other words, here David is choosing to give God praise because he deserves it no matter whether he is facing a battle in his life or not. He is making choices, a choice to choose God, to choose loving him and devotion and praising him and all that that entails. 
even when the battle is on. We saw that David does it because David's past works have not changed. Verse 1, he says that God, uh, that the Lord is his strength and that David had strength, that God had strengthened David and is still uh, strengthening David, that he is his strength. That means that he was David's ability, he was David's ability in uh, the storm. That means that he was David, not only his strength, but his stability, his solace, and his safety in the midst of the storms. God had strengthened David and was still doing so or else he would never call him his strength. But then we also see that God uh, here uh, in David's life has taught him and is still teaching him. Verse 1 he said, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. He has given God all the glory for his ability on the battlefield and he is giving God credit for everything that he is and everything that he knows. In other words, he's saying that in the battlefields of life, if his arrow has ever landed where it was supposed to, it was because of God. If there ever was a victory that David knew, it was because of the Lord. He is the one that has taught me in the past, and he is the one that's teaching me in this moment, and because of that, he deserves our praise. That's verse number one. As we see David choosing to praise God because he deserves it because his past works have not changed. But can I say this tonight as we pick up here this evening that God that we find David giving God praise because God still deserves it not just because his past works haven't changed but because his personal testimony has not changed. You say preacher what are you talking about? Look at verse number two. This is what he says about the Lord. He's already in verse 1 called him his strength. In verse number 1 he's already called him his teacher, his instructor, his mentor. But in verse number 2 he continues a personal testimony that he gives of the Lord's workings in his life. He says, he's my goodness and my fortress, my high tower, and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. David begins here to further detail who the Lord has been to him in the battles that he's faced in life. Notice the first thing that he says. He says that God has been his goodness. In other words, what David is saying here is that God God has been the source of every good thing that David has ever experienced and also that he has been the source from which every good thing, not just of all of the good that's come into his life, but of all of the good that has come out of his life. He is his goodness, the source of every good thing both in his life and out of his life. That's who his God is in the very and then the very midst of battles in life he is he is he is extolling the goodness of God and that is what we've seen this week and that is what uh, we should see every time we go through storms in life that no matter where we are on the battlefield that we understand that God is still good and even though moments may not be good and may not be great and may not be as we want them to be, that God himself
himself is still good and has been better to us than uh, we could ever desire or deserve. He says that he, that God is, he is goodness. But David also says this about his God, that he is his fortress. The word fortress there means that God is his garrison, that God is a stronghold to David, that he is a fortified place. Hey, the word fortified that I use there, uh, not to insult your intelligence, but some of these children may not know, it means a protected place, a, a place of defense. In other words, he said that God is the one that defends me. God is the one that has taken care of me. Even in the battles, David said, because God was his fortress. He is here today to write this psalm and to sing these words and to pray this prayer. If it wasn't for who you have been in the past, I never would be pinning these words. And if it was not for who you are in this moment, I would have nothing but fear and dread to look to. But I have every reason to praise you because you're my goodness and because you are my fortress. You are my defender. Thirdly, he says that God is his high tower. Now, fortress and high tower to most would seem to be almost synonyms of sorts. But the difference between the two, while a fortress is a place of defense and most often uh, is normally a pretty high structure. David here seems uh, to have uh, it in his heart to elevate the fact that God has placed him higher than the battle is. You see, the reason why uh, in, on a battlefield, especially in ancient days such as this, that they would have a high tower is to get them above the danger. The danger is on the ground. The battle is on the ground. We need to be in a, we need a high tower to get us above the danger. And can I tell you this tonight? David said in his God, in his Lord, in Jehovah, a man, the God that is self-existing, and a man no one created him, and the God that he is trusting in in this moment. He mentions that here later on in verse number two. He said that the God that he has not only protects him on the ground, but it gets him above the danger to where the danger doesn't have to touch his life. Can I remind you, whatever you're going through tonight, whatever battles you're dealing with, whatever battlefield you may face in the coming days, can I remind you that we have a God that is a high tower to his children, and yes, he can get you above the danger and let you dwell in complete safety. The effects of the battle does not have to harm you and to cause detriment in your life because we have a God who is our goodness. We have a God who is our fortress. Just like David, we have a God that is our high tower. And then David had this to say as well, that he is my deliverer. That goes back to him being good to David, him being a fortress to David, him being a high tower to David. All of those things were ways that David would be delivered on the battlefield. Him being his deliverer means that God is the one who will bring him out of the danger. 
Can I say this? It's good to know that we have a God that is being good to us even in the battle, before the battle, in the battle, and after the battle. That's a wonderful thing to know about our God. But it's also good to know that He's our fortress, that He will defend us and protect us in the hottest part of the battle while it's raging. We have His protection, not because that's just what He does, but here in this verse, it is a testimony given of the Lord that God's protection isn't just what He does, it's who He is. It's good to know we have a fortress, a, a, a place of defense in our God when we're going through the battle. It's good to know that we have God as a high tower that gets us above the danger till we don't have to be touched by the effects of the battle even while it's going on. You can go through hard times and not be, not be left with the scars of them and be affected in a way that you are not productive for the Lord anymore. Your battles don't have have to touch you that way. They don't have to influence you that way. And that's a wonderful thing to know. But isn't it even better to know that while God is who He is in the battle, and He can get us above the danger of the battle, isn't it, all, isn't it just awesome to know that we have a God that is able to get us out of the danger and get us out of the battlefield. Amen. I'm sure in all of the wars that we have faced here in, the na in our nation, it was good to have a place that seemed to be safe. It was good in the world in, in for the First World War to have a trench and a foxhole that had that offered some kind of protection. But what would be better is to get off of the battlefield in the first place to be delivered, to be brought out of the danger. God, David here says that God has been one who has took him away from the danger and has preserved his life in the battle and allowed him to have the ability, if you will, metaphorically to walk, in our application of it, to walk off of the battlefield. David here speaks physically of the battles of life. David, as I said before, is able to pin this because God let him get out of the danger and off of the battlefield and let him have victory and the deliverance that he gave. Amen. And we can have God do the same for us. Here we see David said that he's my goodness, he's my fortress, he's my high tower, he's my deliverer. Then he says this, he is my shield. He's, in other words, he is the one thing that David is able to hide behind when the enemy has sought him out personally. You see, you don't need a shield necessarily as much when all the arrows are being pointed at people around you. When you need a shield is when you've got arrows coming in your direction. When there's an enemy that has targeted you as the next one to fall in this particular battle. And David said, in those moments when I was sought out, I had a God that when the enemy wanted me personally, I had a God that was protecting me personally and allowed me to see today. Can I tell you, yes, we have a God that will be all of these things to all of his children. But dear friend, don't forget tonight that we have a God that has not forgotten where you are and what you're dealing with and who you are. God knows your name. He knows every hair upon your head. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you're dealing with more than you know what you're dealing with. And for the one that feels targeted personally tonight, 
There's a God up in heaven who offers personal protection for you in the battle. He has a personal testimony. Notice this, the next thing David says about him is he's one that I can trust. I would imagine so. A God like the one that David described is a God that is worthy of our trust. For him to be our goodness, for him to be our fortress, for him to be our high tower, for him to be our deliverer, for him to be our shield, all of those things on the battlefield proves that when things are as hard and as harsh as they'll ever be, we have a God that is able to be trusted. If he cares about me that much, he must have my best interest at heart. The, 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 as King Solomon said this about uh, the, uh, in, in the Song of Solomon, the Bible says that the bride said uh, this about the bridegroom, that I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. That entire book of Song of Solomon, we can apply the relationship between the bride and the bridegroom to a picture of Christ and his church. And if we apply that very verse, that I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me, that means that God only has good intentions for our lives. Yes, he may allow battles to come, but as I've already preached to you in other messages in weeks gone by, the reason why God does that is because there is a purpose in mind. He doesn't send storms to his children to hurt them, harm them, or punish them, but because there is a reason in mind that will help them. Here we find that we have a God that can be trusted. And tonight I could spend from now until the day the Lord comes back to get us, walking you through the pages of the Bible and telling you one instance after another instance after another instance of how God's children learned that He was a God who could be trusted. From Genesis to Revelation, God proves time and time again, you get on board with me and my plan, no matter if it takes you through the fire, no matter if it takes you through the battle, or whether it takes you through good days and easy seasons. Either way, you can trust me. And here, that's what David said. He has learned about the Lord. Even on the battlefield, he learned that he had a God that could be trusted. Even when arrows were coming in his direction, he had a God that could be trusted. Even though there were others on the battlefield that he could not trust. And we found out in David's life that he learned that there would be even some, even in his own compatriots and his own uh, military force that could not be be trusted, or at least trusted for long. David has learned you can't trust everybody, but there is one you can trust, and the one that you can trust, David said, is my God. And I'm telling you, if you're saved by the grace of God, you may not always be able to trust your friends. You may not always be able to trust your flesh. If the Bible says you're to never trust your flesh. Amen. You may not always be able to trust everybody in this room. You may not always be able to trust me to help help you the way that is necessary all the time. But I can tell you this, there has never been one child of God that has ever came to the place where they know if they see things uh, through a biblical lens that our God can be trusted. If you can trust Him with your soul, you ought to be able to trust Him with your life with the moments of your life, the details of your life. It is God that gave you the life that you have anyway. Does it not make sense if He gave you life? He ought to be the one that has the charge of how it is directed. Amen. He said that He's one that I can trust. He says this as well. 
He says, Who subdueth my people under me? David here in this moment is making a statement that is very particular to the situation in which he's in. David realizes the calling that God has placed upon his life to be the king of the nation of Israel. Here he is specifically praising God for him being the God that has put people under his influence and under his control. David is praising God for allowing him to become a king and bringing people under his leadership. And I can't help but, and I thought about this the other day as I was studying for this message, and I was, I was wondering why would David be thankful and be giving God glory for being one who subdueth people under him, who has placed uh, people under uh, him. Uh, the, the, the word subdued uh, literally allows me in my mind to think about victory and how God has put people under him uh, by and has, has given him that authority that people are submitting to and that he is able to reign as king. But I couldn't help but think about this as well, as David in the context has just spent uh, has just spent several verses, a couple of verses by the time we come here, praising God for being a God that protects in the battle. I couldn't help but think about this, that I wonder if it could be that David is excited, not just in the fact that he has the position of king and people have, God has allowed people to submit to that and allowed there to be a transition of power from King Saul to David, and that is now being uh, uh, now being uh, regu uh, regularly understood and submitted to that this is the rightful king, that this is God's king uh, in our kingdom. But I wonder if it could be that in the context here of God's protection, that David seems that he f he feels that it is necessary to praise God for putting people under him as God has protected him on the battlefield and as God has delivered people under him and as God has transitioned things from Saul who, who is slain on the battlefield. When Saul died, his body's left there on the battlefield by his own hand. Saul lost an emotional battle. Saul lost spiritual battle. And Saul lost a physical battle on that day. Saul is dead on the battlefield. But David is victorious over all the battlefields that he has been on before. And as he looks at another one, he is thankful that the God that has poured the deliverance and the victory and the blessings upon him, that there are people underneath his reign that are being, uh, that are subdued under him, that are protected under him, because as God pours blessings on David, those blessings things carry out to a free people of Israel underneath him. That as God blesses David, as he blesses the leader, as he blesses authority, the people under him are being blessed as well. So in other words, God, you've been so good to me, others have been affected by your goodness and your protection and your blessings 
in my life. Can I say this tonight, and I'll be done just finishing up this thought from last week, and we'll pick up maybe Sunday night or next Wednesday, whatever the Lord has. But can I say this? I'm thankful for the God that we have, that He's a God who is our goodness, that He is a God who is our fortress. He can protect us and defend us in the battles of life. That He's our God who is our high tower. He can allow us to live above the dangers of the battle. He is our deliverer. He can remove us from the effects of battle. And He's our shield. That even though we are being personally attacked, and if it seems like all of the, all of the dangers of the battle have our name on them, God is still able to shield us. He's still able to take care of us. And because of that, we can trust Him. And any, any blessings of God upon our lives can affect others around us. We have a God that is so, so good tonight. David said that in the, on the battlefield we are to remember that God still deserves our praise. Because David said, even when I stood on the battle, this is who my God was to me. And I'm telling you, David learned it physically in the battles of his life and his reign as king. And I'm telling you, each and every one of us that are saved by the grace of God can tonight can learn it spiritually as we face spiritual battles in this world in which God allows us to sojourn that he still deserves our praise. Next week, Lord willing, next either Sunday night or Wednesday night, however the Lord leads, we'll see that not only does He deserve our praise, but He defies our perspective. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done preaching tonight. If you need to come, you come on. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.